When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show, the lick of the ice cream. We're coming to you live from the Toolkit Depot studio out here at Optus Stadium. Former Wally Alup midfielder, also Gold Coast son. Of course, he's also a member of the AFL Nation family. He's the coach of the Werribee Football Club. Michael Barlow, welcome. Morning, Duff. Yeah, I like that little play by uh, JL, the lick of the ice cream. I use that a little bit myself with my coaching, so um, they, they certainly do get a bit of a lick of the ice cream on the weekend, the Dockers. Um, what do you do for the other end of the spectrum, um, Mick? What, how do you describe that? We're talking the Eagles. We're talking like what happened to West Coast in Launceston. Yeah, what? That's not that's not a lick of the ice cream. What is that? What is the terminology that goes with that? Well, Hawthorne had the lick of the ice cream, didn't they? they it's nearly unfathomable, unfathomable, isn't it? In terms of um, you know the 18th side um, beating up on the 17th side by that margin, um, it's you know becoming Groundhog Day really um, week to week. On game day for West Coast, um, you know, you just called uncompetitive, wouldn't you? In particular, yesterday, yesterday's performance. Don so, Sheed, um, 39 possessions, two goals, one. I think he handed one goal off as well. So outside of that, they've they've kicked one goal, one. Yeah. So so what happens now? I guess this is, we 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 all look at it. And we know how bad it's got. We only have to watch. But but what happens now? Hmm. Yeah, I think that there's clearly there's going to be some some pressure come on the heads of departments, um, and it's probably the two departments that you're looking into strongly, like the coaching and then the high performance um, area. The high performance area is is one that um, you know you are a victim of, of of contact and collision with a lot of these injuries, but there's probably not probably there's definitely some some concerns around that the more experienced and and, and highly rated players, Nat Nui and McGovern, who have been more kind of soft tissue and, and unable to to get out. Um, so there's got to be a deep dive into that. The coaching, I'm, I'm somewhat I'm largely empathetic to, to the plight of or what's going on with Adam Simpson. It's 2018. Um, it does seem a long time ago now, the, the, the way they're, they're travelling. Um, as a premiership coach in 2018, he turned it around really quickly. Um, in previous times with you know, underperforming sides and bouncing really quickly the next year. This one seems a little bit different. Um, he is contracted till 2025, so I'm in the camp of you know, he should be the man for for this resurgence and rebuild and, and back him in. And at the end of the day, I, I feel what will happen um, is that there'll be a list turnover like no other at the end of the year and um, they've got to commit to someone and why not it be Adam Simpson to to get the new, how many could it be? It could be 10 to 15 new players that could come into this 
your squad if you do um, rip out those guys that aren't up to the level. I guess the other thing is the fascinating watch about the cut is going to be who gets cut because the quality is at the older end of their list, but that quality is no longer durable. And this is the root of the problem here, isn't it? It's that we know who the players are. They're just not there. Um, yeah. And, and on one hand, people are going to say you need to have experience around, but the experience is no good if it's not out there. And it's it hasn't been out there for two years. Yeah, yeah. it's a great call and something. Um, yeah, how do you... Because you're looking at the list and... It's probably a little activity I can do this week is to have a good look at the entire list and, and give them ratings and give them longevity in terms of, of what it looks like for their careers. I, I think there's a, a large chunk, um, which I've kind of been drawn to for a large parts this year, that um, have just not been up to it um, forever. And, and that's I don't say that um, to, to ridicule, but there's probably guys that have been on the list for three, four, five years that... Um, have been given large amounts of opportunity over the last couple of years, um, and you know at some stage rubber hits the road, and and you, you identify them as, as legitimate AFL players. Um, yeah, the majority of those haven't been able to do that. And then the other end of the spectrum, you, you mentioned Matt Millie and McGovern, or I did earlier. They they just can't get on the park. Uh, the other guys like Gaff, probably one that's going to wear a bit of critique this week. Uh, Darling has, has has worn some critique over the last couple of weeks out with injury at the moment, but. Um, they have been top-end players and, and really highly-caliber ca- AFL players. So I think there's got to be some lenience there. Um, I would think there's probably a, an opportunity to, to look into what the Giants did um, when they started. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nearly at that level, isn't it, where um, players kind of hung on for another year or two at the Giants when they started that, that were past their best, absolutely, but they were aware that they were going to have kind of 10 to 15 top-end draft picks and, and, and younger players coming into that system, that they could just help and, and buffer and hopefully get a good run with, with um, availability to to set them up for a platform pretty quickly to be a stronger side. Yeah, I, it's a massive hole in in the list between the old and the young. And you made a great call about the, the ones that have been for th- there for three or four or five years and just don't seem to be able to get to that mark. I guess the only rider I'd put on that is that it's hard for those players to play amid the chaos that's going on there at the moment where they're not able to train properly because there's 25 fit players. They're trying to bed down a, 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 a... It's not a new game style anymore because they were trying to bed it down last year and I think they just gave up on it in the end because they, was, they weren't able to train it properly. They're almost in that territory again. Um, so we know that a lot of this is caused by injury, but I watched North Melbourne play on Saturday... And I was genuinely excited. I was looking at the that midfield in three years' time with Wardlaw and Sheasel and Davies Uniac, who wasn't even out there, and Jai Simkin and, and young Will Phillips, who's been a maligned player but, but showed a lot on the weekend. And I'm thinking, that midfield's going to belt the hell out of other midfields in about three years' time. I'm looking at West Coast, and I'm saying, where does that come from at West Coast? And I don't see it, Mick. I just yeah. don't see it. Yeah, and it'll come. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the camp with you. I know in terms. I think um, Jindy has been the one that um, you, can, you can give a big pass to. Um, how how tough is it though at the moment? Where he's yeah, he probably had a down game yesterday, but um, that's off the back of a lot of the players around him having down games. Um, I think again, a lot of questions are going to be asked about what they do with the, the draft hall that they will 
they will pull in at the end of the season. Um, and I don't have a strong opinion either way. They're probably thinking more deeply or at a higher level about it the last 24 hours. Um, now, Harley reads the name. It's going to be the number one pick. But is there capacity? You look at Adelaide a couple of years ago. They had the, the ability to go and get, uh, I think it was two or three in the first kind of round or first 20 picks. And, you know, that's Saligo and um, Rochelle. Um, I might be missing one, but they were, they were prepared to give up those two or three picks for Horn Francis. And you look at it now, and Horn Francis is going to be a great player, but you can get two or three um, that are going to be 10 to 12-year players to accompany Dindy. Um, that's the crystal ball stuff. It's, it's never a guarantee within the draft system, but um, West Coast haven't been represented at the draft for some time, and um, uh, it's, it's pretty plain and simple. It has to be now. Before we move on to Fremantle, one more question. We've got a mid-season draft coming up. It's a shallow draft pool. We know it's the leftovers from from, from previous drafts, so we, we don't want to get carried away with what's available there. But even from the point of view of durability, getting durable younger players on the list to enable you to train better, to enable your waffle club to perform better, to enable your young players to develop better, is it worth West Coast trying to free up, they will take one pick, I'm pretty sure. They'll they'll use Jai Cully's spot to take one. Is it worth them freeing up another couple and taking two or three, get get three young bodies on the list that will be fit, they'll train, um, hopefully you find a player or two amongst them, but just get more fit bodies on the list? Yeah. Yeah, um, it's something that I haven't fully, fully considered. The, the mid-season draft, I had a look... Um, I think the 2021 pool, a mid-season draft, I think Connor West was a part of that, of the kind of 20 picks that were taken. I think there's kind of a 75% um, rate of retention since then. So that that year in particular, there's John Noble in that draft and some other other really good ones that, that have popped on. So it, I think everything would be on the table for West Coast. Um, they, I don't have a, a great, I suppose I do coach in the state league competitions and do see some really high-end um talent and have a bias towards some of the players I coach that might be able to help but um, in terms of those that do it on a daily basis and um, critique talent and, and what's coming through yeah you're not going to find um, the draftables that at the end of the year will be kind of more bankable for, for, for longevity so um, yeah it's one I'm not not entirely over um, but they will take one you'd imagine do they go the younger um younger guy that might might be a good player for, for a long period or is there someone that can come and plug and play which I think they've done a little bit of in the past West Coast and we're kind of seeing that those players despite giving great effort and, and having a real go might might not be the answer long term so um, I'd probably be leaning myself for West Coast probably towards the um, the, the long termer that might be able to um, yeah be a good player like, like Joe Cully's done I think and, and um, unfortunately, not now with the injury this year. But Jai Cully, I think, was a, was a really good pick for West Coast last year. Frio got their mojo back? Yeah, it feels a little bit that way. It was a real watch on the weekend. Uh, I think they've had three pretty pretty good draws, haven't they? They've had um, you know, Hawthorne, um, who were coming off the back of a, a few big up weeks. Had Sydney, who've got clearly got their issues. And... Um, and then Geelong uh, with kind of six to eight players out of their best side, uh, or best 18, I'd say, are out at the moment. So I think they've had a good little run of it, but you've got to, you just got to win what you've got to win. 
for the first two weeks in particular, get the wins, move on, start to feel a bit better about themselves. And the weekend um, showed a little bit of a shift in um, the style or or is there a little bit more confidence in what they're doing and, and, and flair? I love I love the games of uh, Michael Frederick and, and Switkowski and the invaluable nature of those players in the in the Frio system just to add some speed and some spark in between the arcs in particular when they get the ball. So um, the trend, uh, as Ross Lyon used to say, will be your friend and right now the trend is pretty good. Have they got the Fife role right now, do you think? A bit of midfield, bit of forward and maybe limit the game time. Don't Don't overdo that too much. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a fascinating call. I, I don't know if you guys over there fully understood what was going to happen, but I think he was he was kind of having an indifferent day, wasn't he? He was giving away free kicks, and he was a bit clumsy, but he was getting back around the ball and having some impact. So, um, yeah, I think clearly JL and the coaching uh, staff, match committee, they've they've got a, a far better understanding of what's required um, for Nat's role and. I've been in the camp that you know, he's done that pre-season in the forward line. So, um, and and you know, Brayshaw and, and Sarong, they're starting to get going. And I know Mira's had a really good three weeks. So do you do you persist with him in the forward line? But um, I think, yeah, what we saw on the weekend is, is his comfortability around the ball is, is at a high level. Um, and he just goes and, and provides a buffer for those other guys to, to then flourish, which um, clearly they did in the weekend. Love the three weeks of... Omira, who I think, um, yeah, myself included, were probably a little bit um, critical or, or, or a bit hesitant on, on how his impact um, had married up to, to what we were expecting at the start of the season. But he's building his season nicely. And, um, yeah, Fife is full game, whether he'll be probably still a couple of weeks away, I think, by the way they've been very methodical about uh, managing game time. Darcy and Jackson versus Gorn and Grundy. That's going to be a good watch this weekend. It is. Uh, I'd love... Um, I've done a little bit of work um, with a show I do um, on the Frio game and you're just looking at um, the highlights of the game and the packages you get sent through to, to to assist with your arguments and your discussion. But Luke Jackson's involved in a lot of the a lot of, a lot of the connecting um, and highlight package, which yeah, it's, it's starting to build his, his year and I'm pumped for him and for the club and the investment that they've made in him. But... Um, you know, it's going to take. It's, I think it's going to ride the roller coaster a little bit longer, but they're starting to use the the versatility of what he is. Um, we saw him play on Mark Blitzarves at at stoppage in the mid. Um, we saw him ruck, and then we saw him you know play that 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 winking on a hybrid forward role, which he's starting to get his hands on um, pretty well. And then Sean Darcy's going well. And then Gordon Grundy, I think that's absolutely the the matchup. Um, that we've been looking at as probably the one and two ruck combinations in the league at the moment and starting to, to rewrite what it looks like in terms of a, a ruck dynamic playing the genuine two rucks. One more before I let you go, Mick. Does Fremantle play finals based on what you've seen in the last three weeks? Uh, oh, yeah, they're right around the mix, aren't they? Um, I, I think there's probably seven seven spots that are, are fairly, um, fairly set. So they're one of the the four or five, you know, with Adelaide and probably Essendon and and, um, and whatnot that are, that are around the edges. Um, still probably a bit bit of a question mark about St Kilda in the top eight. So maybe two of the, the top eight spots um, will be fought between probably those, you know, five to six sides, which Fremantle are a big part of and the patriotic uh, nature of me um, would hope so. But again, I think they haven't really 
had the big test like they'll get this week against Melbourne at the MCG. And they they don't have to walk away with the four points this week um, to suggest they are a final side. They just need to be competitive and show that that style continues to stand up against the legitimate uh, top four sides. So we speak next Monday, Duff. Um, I've sat on the fence nicely there for you. By by next Monday, I should have a a more definitive answer for you. Yep, I'm on the fence with you, mate. I've got splinters everywhere, but I I agree with you. I think we'll have a chat next Monday and we'll make a decision on whether they're going to be there in September or not. Michael Barlow, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Uh, Good luck with everything this week. Good luck with Werribee. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Beautiful, Duff. We'll try and take, wherever we'll try and take out, out the Casey Demons on Saturday afternoon before the um, Dockers can take down the Melbourne Demons, make it a miserable, miserable weekend for Demons fans. I like that. I like that talk. Michael Barlow, of course, former Fremantle player, former Gold Coast Sun, current Werribee Football Club coach in the VFL. What are your thoughts? You can share them with us on the Temper at Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. We'll take a break.